In this episode of the Macworld Podcast, we're taking a close look at the iPhone 15 Plus. What do you sacrifice when you decide to go with this phone instead of a Pro Max? And are the sacrifices worth it? Stay tuned and find out. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Karen Haslow. Hi. And David Price. Hello. David recently reviewed the iPhone 15 Plus. That's Apple's new bigger size non-pro phone. While you should go read his review on Macworld.com, the iPhone is a big enough deal that we should discuss it on the show. David, the iPhone 15 Plus, what makes it different from the regular iPhone 15? Not a whole lot, to be honest. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the easy thing. It's the screen and it's the battery. They're both pretty important. I'm not really used to phones of this size. Uh, I normally get the Pro. I had the 14 Pro, the 13 Pro. I think I might have even had the 12 Pro. So I was a bit worried about this. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really want this size, but it sort of worked out that way. And actually, it turns out it's all right. It fits in my pocket, and I can use it fairly comfortably in one hand or two hands and it seems it seems all right i mean I, I don't know if you guys i don't know which size of, of phone you use karen you use roman i don't know i've got the iphone 14 at the moment and in the past i have had i think i've reviewed one of the plus models uh-huh. so probably last year at least got to try it and my sort of feeling was it was just too big for me and it wasn't comfortable yeah. to hold and it was heavy. I was worried that I'd drop it all the time. But one thing I was thinking as you were talking about not being convinced you wanted to go onto a bigger phone, maybe there's enough of a gap now from like the iPhone 8 through like the iPhone 10 and, you know, the, up to the 14 and it being used to that size to then take the next leap up. It's like to go from the smaller phone form factor, the much smaller, to the Plus would be too much, but actually, maybe it's not such a big leap from the sort of 15 to the plus. Just going by my own example, own. I thought it would be, thought it would feel weird, and it, it kind of didn't. Yeah. It reminds me a bit of the iPhone uh, 10, because I remember uh, our, our colleague Ashley had an iPhone 10 the year before I did, which didn't seem very fair at the time. But I saw the way it worked with no home button and the swiping up and stuff, and I thought, oh, that looks a bit weird to get used to. And she told me, oh, I got used to it in a week, you know, swiping up to go back to the homepage. And as soon as I got the 10s, I was just used to it. And I, I think these things, you build them up in your mind and you think, well, I'm used to this. I won't be able to get used to that. And then you just do. So yeah, I think it's all right. I thought you were going to say then, Karen, that we're now ready for an even bigger iPhone <laughs> 15 plus plus. What will be true is if you use the plus for like a month, and then try and go back to the standard size, you're going to be like, this is too small for me. Like it works that way rather than either you're going to get the plus and you're going to think, no, this is too big. I can't, I can't cope with this. Or you're going to get used to that. And then anything else is going to be too small. I do feel the benefit of it. Like um, I watch quite a lot of Netflix on my phone. That's probably not a very good habit, but it is mm-hmm. it's much better for that. I think for games as well, I've not been playing a lot of games lately. So I don't know if I've really felt the benefit there, but it, it's just, it's more immersive. It's just, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think if next year I, if I ask for the 16 Pro, assuming there is one, it probably won't be big enough. There is also the battery, which is probably my single most positive thing to say about the 15 plus. The battery life is amazing. It's really, really good. 
if there's one reason to choose the 15 plus over the 15 it's got to be battery life it, it, it lasted the whole day every time very easily sort of 40 percent left at the end of the day yeah it's really really impressive in that area what is apple spec on the apple 15 plus for the battery life 26 hours of video playback according to apple yeah and is it 23 for the 15 pro and 20 for the 15 um so it's not as high as the 15 pro max so it might be even like 29 or something it's really good i think for a lot of people that's more of a practical issue a sort of criterion for whether they're going to upgrade than uh than things like the camera the processor all that stuff if you've got a phone that's three years old maybe and it didn't have particularly amazing battery life in the first place and it's degraded a bit then that's probably you'll really see the benefit from that a lot of people now they hold on to their phones they're not upgrading every year i mean we do or some most of us do because this is what we do for a living so we kind of want to have the latest and greatest i i I have to admit i don't upgrade every year anymore i just switched to an iphone 14 pro max and i probably wouldn't have switched if i didn't have it on hand except for the cameras i don't see the need to upgrade every year for myself anymore but because i take a lot of photos and pictures of like family events i don't really need the latest and greatest although i'm using the the fact that i'm the documentarian as the excuse the rationale to get the latest and greatest you just want the bragging rights don't you yes exactly (laughs) we're all like that really it's it's a bit like you work for mac world you don't have the latest phone (laughs) yes one of the things that obviously because i'm using an iphone 14 at the moment for me it would be a more of a leap then for you because you've had the iphone 14 pro so like your move to the iphone 15 plus is less of a leap for the camera in fact it could be seen as going down because you have three cameras to just the two whereas for me it's like the camera yeah last year's the most of the very few improvements between the 14 and 15 no 13 and 14 were related to the camera but this year you've got the 48 megapixels you've got the new portrait stuff like with the 48 megapixels, it seems a little bit like no one's going to take 48 megapixel pictures, but it, it means you can get a better zoom, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing because I, I linked to an old article you wrote, Karen, in my review about how you shouldn't obsess <laughs> about megapixels and how other things are important, more important, like sensor size and stuff like that. But the way I sort of discussed it was that this is, this is an enormous increase in megapixels. It, it's like quadruples the number of megapixels. And the only real reason to do that is so that they can do that weird crop in optical zoom so you get what is effectively still a 12 megapixel image that's only taken up a quarter of the of the field so that's that's how they've got a two times optical zoom for the first time this year which is really good by the way i was i was testing that out and i think the two times zoom is is just the most convenient it almost should be the default like when you're going around you, you always get that weird thing where what you're seeing as a human you then bring up your camera and you think it'll look the same and it never does. It always like it's been pushed back. It just something to do with the way right. the human brain works. But then you go to the two times zoom and you're like, okay, now I'm seeing it how I'm actually me and the camera now. So it's like humans have a two times zoom on all the time or something. I don't know how it works. <laughs> right. Yeah. I really like the two times zoom. Um, but yeah, as you said, because I'm coming from the, the pro, the 14 pro to the 15 plus is really kind of like a lateral move in a lot of ways because i'm i'm keeping the same processor because last year 
I forget which which A chip it is, but it's the same A chip in the 14 Pro as in the 15 Plus because they they're always a year behind on the non Pros. Yeah. The A16 uh, and A16. A16. So the A17 is on the 15 Pro, I guess. Yeah. The, the A17 yes, Pro chip, right? It's called the A17 Pro in the Pro yeah. phones, and the 15 non Pro phones is just called the A16. It's interesting. So this thing you're saying, Roman, about the camera as a justification for the upgrade, which I think is absolutely how Apple sells it. That's always been the central plank of how they sell a phone is they talk about cameras. I wrote, I wrote this um, very quick, I should say, uh, opinion piece. I think we posted it today as we we're recording it. So it'll be a few days ago to the listener about how iPhone cameras have got to the point where you don't really feel any improvement from year to year because they got to the point where they're good enough. Like years ago, like I, I remember back when we had the iPhone 3G, uh, iPhone 3GS, iPhone 4, that sort of period where you were going from really rubbish cameras up to okay cameras, up to fairly good cameras in a single generation. And it made a difference. And it really, really was worth upgrading for that reason. But now, I mean, the iPhone 14 Pro and several generations before it, realistically, were, were absolutely fine. And the improvements we're getting now are in just in the, the niche cases, the, the niche cases where you've made an error, essentially. You're going around with your camera and you line up a backlit shot. You've got your, your, your subject facing you in shadow. There's a sun behind them. It's it's just it's an absolute dog's dinner. Why have you done that? It's a terrible idea. Oh, but your phone can cope with that because it's got a uh, smart HDR five. It can it can take information from multiple exposures. That's the only place where you see the difference is in these absurd. You would never normally have that situation, but you have to create these situations to see the improvement. So I think Apple needs to stop talking about cameras because they're good enough. And the iPhone sixteen, it will be really good. But the iPhone 15 already is, and yeah, I don't know. It tends to be the thing that gets compared with the other phones, like from you know Samsung and the like. Is that oh yeah, but they've they've got bigger megapixels or whatever. Yeah, some out there with more than a hundred megapixels, aren't there? I keep hearing this from the lads on Tech Advisor with their Android phones. Oh, 100 megapixels. You know, there's the pro phones and the non-pro phones. I don't know. It just feels awkward for me to to to, to refer to them that way. I guess there's no other just, way. I just refer to like the standard iPhones, like we. That's a better. I, I like that better. So I'm going to say so the standard iPhone and the Pro iPhones. The, with the Pro phones, you can take a standard photo, but then you can go in afterwards and adjust it so it's a portrait photo, and then yes. vice versa, where you can take a portrait shot and decide you it shouldn't be a portrait shot anymore. It should just be a standard photo. You can do that on the standard phones as well. It's worth mentioning that you can only go in retrospectively and turn it into portrait mode if one of a number of criteria are satisfied, which is if there's a human face in it, it will detect that and it will know to record the depth data and then retrospectively you'll be able to do it. If there's a dog face in it, if there's a cat face in it, likewise, it will record the depth data. But if there's none of those things, you can manually trigger it by tapping to focus on the object and again it will record the depth data but if none of those things are satisfied there will be no depth data with which to later on create a portrait okay. mode photo and the dog thing doesn't always work i tested that uh, i found a dog a shih tzu uh my neighbor 
and we were doing all these photos. And so when he was holding the dog, of course, it recorded it because his face was in it. That, I, that almost caught me out. When the dog was looking at me on its own, it worked it out. It was fine. But when the dog was looking off to the side, the camera didn't record the depth data. It got confused. But here's the extra com- complication. When I looked in photos afterwards of the dog looking off to the side to see if I could turn it into portrait, it knew it was a dog. And it offered that information at the bottom. You know the way uh, Photos does that? Right. It told me what breed of dog it was. So Photo knew it was a dog, but the camera app didn't know it was a dog in real time in, and so it didn't know to record the depth data. Is it because it's just looking for faces? So it didn't see a face yeah. to the side? I guess, I'm, I guess like, that must be it. It's a dog. It's just looking for a face. Maybe yeah. try it on something that wasn't a dog or a cat and see if it recognised a face, a hamster. Right. Oh, exactly. I was wondering... If you took a picture of a hamster, which people would know that's not a dog, but maybe the machine learning or the AI or whatever could be tricked into thinking it's a dog because it's not it's not looking, so to speak, and register how we look at animals and pets and stuff and know the differences. It's searching for characteristics and matching the pattern of those characteristics to whatever algorithm it has. Yeah. So it seems clear that in the photos that the dog wasn't recognized it was missing certain characteristics that it was looking for if it would fit those characteristics yeah. and, and recognize it as a dog or a cat yeah, when so you that, do a portrait photo of a human if they're like looking to the side it doesn't always zoom like take that as the face that's interesting. Literally has two eyes and ears uh, two eyes nose and a mouth and then that's what it's looking for but that's interesting. You point out that photos recognized that it was a dog, the app. So you would think they would be using the yeah. same algorithm, the same it's, it's clearly, method. It's clearly two different algorithms. Presumably one one of the algorithms is simpler, which right. is how it can happen in real time without necessarily connecting to the internet. And the other one is computational afterwards. So there must right. be a much, and it's interesting, you know, so the looking away, it must be looking for that mathematical um relationship between the position of the eye and the mouth or whatever and the dog looking off to the side it was i mean it was only in like three-quarter profile so you could still see its face but the face was looking in a different direction to the camera yeah i haven't i haven't taken any photos of hamsters so i will consider that Uh, i was having a lot of trouble finding cats to be honest because dogs let you take photos of them cats do not I've been going around everywhere, and as soon as you go up with a phone to take a photo of a cat, you just go, and it's really annoying. The feature would have worked better if Apple had been able to test with cats, but the cats just kept running away. Yeah. No, but I think Apple probably has cats that are very well trained. (laughs) Cupertino. I wonder if it tests on animals. That that you say it like that, that sounds really bad if they'd have to say this was tested on animals, but all they mean is just we took a photo of a cat. I know, yeah, now I have this picture in my head of, you know, the Apple headquarters, that big giant circular spaceship. <laughs> and then there's a section of it where there are all these cages and there are all these animals. Just um, They must have tested it, mustn't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, I say that these days, a lot of the stuff Apple releases, you feel like it wasn't tested. Like those fine woven cases, yeah. which I didn't get one of, by the way. So I couldn't, I couldn't test that. I wanted to join the... Um, the bandwagon, everyone's mm. saying that they're rubbish, but they didn't give me one, which is highly suspicious. Does everybody have a case on their phone? I, I do. Someone... I've seen people saying, oh, I don't get a case, I just get Apple Care because they'll replace the screen. So some people no. think 
But then you're kind of like, well, yeah, but you want your phone to have resale value. It's not just a screen you're protecting, but you want it to look nice in a year's time or two years' time so you can sell it on, don't you? You know, there are a lot of reasons to protect it. I can understand why people want to be able to see their phone. It sounds like a not very sensible decision to me not to cover it up. I think it's madness. I I don't know how true this is in the UK, but there are a lot of people here in the US who participate in an exchange program. So with their mobile carrier, so they can exchange their phone every year, whenever it comes out or every two years or whatever the program states. They have the same. Yeah. So they don't really, I I have noticed that more people are going caseless than before. And I I think part of it is because the phones are bigger than they used to be. So that's part Mm -hmm. of the reason. So they want to cut down the size as much as possible. But I think also a lot of people are in these exchange programs now. So they're, they don't really care about the condition of their phone because they're just going to turn it in in and after a year. They don't want to crack the screen, of course. Things like nicks and scratches aren't that big a deal anymore, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't participate in such a program. So I always mm-hmm. hand my phones down to my sons after when I'm done. So yeah, Most people want to preserve their phone because they're going to pass it on to their elderly parent or yeah. their kids or... I mean, I'm I'm incredibly paranoid about it. I, I I hate the idea of it getting damaged, and I put it in a case the second I get it, and it never it, comes out. You know, the um, uh, put a screen protector. Yeah, I put a screen protector in a case on my phone. When I started using the 14 Pro Max, I put a, a screen protector on it, and then I carefully put it on with the I don't know what they call it. Applicator. Like a, yeah, the applicator, the plastic <laughs> frame that you put on it, and then like literally minutes when I go I went to go walk my dog, I dropped my phone on on the sidewalk and it landed face down and it cracked the screen protector but not the screen fortunately oh. but i said right, i just put this i just put this on like five minutes ago and so that was kind of a good thing so yeah <laughs> I've, I've never gone for screen protectors because I, I find them so weird to feel i don't like the way they they look a lot of the time it's the application that's so hard though to get it so you don't have the air bubbles and the you know things like that and then it peels off a bit of the sides and stuff over time but it's better than having a cracked screen and then you get a cracked screen it's happened to me a few years ago and you take it to be changed and then they put a, a non-apple screen on it and right. it messes everything up so <laughs> yeah david could you point out so what is the camera that you do not get on the plus that you would get on the pro you don't get the telephoto yeah you get the main one that's the 48 megapixel one and you get the other one which i can't remember the name of uh, but you don't get the telephoto which okay. is why up until now you haven't had an optical zoom on non-pro iPhones. It's always been uh, 0.5 times the sort of zoomed out version, which presumably is when they use the secondary lens and the one times. That's why this year is very exciting that it's got a two times lens for the first time. But the pros, I think it's three times optical zoom on the 15 Pro and right. five times on the 15 Pro Max. So you're still not getting as good performance i find it a bit confusing though because the pros are getting their zoom via the uh, telephoto lens glassware but they also have the 48 megapixel uh, megapixel bump which they got last year uh, so they in theory could do the same trick that the 15 and 15 plus are doing with with a sort of cropping in mm-hmm. trick, which would then give them a two times zoom on top of whatever the telephoto lens can give them. So I don't understand how they've only got up to like three times in the case of the 15 Pro or five times, which is not double anything. That's an odd number. Uh, I don't see why those haven't got better optical zooms with, well, you know, because they've got the telephoto lens. 
if it's optical it's like using the optics inside the phone if yeah. it's if it's slightly software-y because what they're really doing is just cropping it's not i mean it's the same effect but maybe they don't want to claim it to be that yeah but it, I, I know what you mean this two times optical zoom and they do use the word optical that they're using about the 15 plus and the 15 as you said it's really software it, it's it's cropping in i guess the reason they can call it optical rather than digital zoom is because there's no interpolation is that the word where they create right. extra content and fill in the gaps because right. it is it is, a, it is a full 12 megapixel cropped in photo um because it was 48 megapixels originally uh but yeah it, it does seem a bit uh naughty no no naughty is too put too strong a word but um it's not what most people would think of as an optical zoom it is it's a cropped in of a non-zoomed photo last year they could have done the same thing because last year they had 48 megapixels on the 14 pro yeah so it wouldn't be a change from last year so no, that's true. Maybe they just didn't say it last year, so they're not saying it this year. I don't know what's going on in their in their little hive mind of what they do. <laughs> I, I read the read the 15 Pro Max review our colleague did. I don't know if you've already talked about it on the podcast, uh, Roman. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah. He was just talking about how boring it was. <laughs> um, it sounds like it's a really really good phone, but he was just going, "Oh, it's so boring." It does feel like, that. like things don't change very much from year to year anymore. Right. That that um, was the main point. Boring. boring doesn't necessarily doesn't mean that it's not good. It's a great phone, but we've we've got to this point now where the upgrades are somewhat incremental. We're not going to get these new razzle dazzle type features that nobody ever thought of, and but all of a sudden we suddenly need kind of uh, anymore. Everything's sort of a step up or a few steps up now from what was implemented before. So th- that was his point, uh, in case anyone listening has not heard or read that review. He's not saying it's a bad phone. He's saying it's a terrific phone. I think he says it's the best iPhone ever, but it's also the most <laughs> boringest. I think that was his point. There, it's always the best phone, isn't it? Every year, whatever the flagship model is, should be and always is the best phone as of that point. But it's just that the amount by which it's moving the bar forward is is uh, it's getting right. ever smaller. Not everyone upg- upgrades every year. Sure, there's the sort of upgrade programs. People <clears> maybe <throat> if they find it for a network might upgrade every two years. But for a lot of people, especially at the moment, people have skipped iPhone generations for the last few years. So they could be upgrading from like an XS or an 11 or a 12, you know. So that would be a big leap. I mean, if you can get an iPhone 14 Plus last year, this will be your first. This could potentially be the first time you've got a big phone, or you might be upgrading from like a 13 Pro Max or something like that. In which case, you're still going to see an improvement. I, I mean, I don't think anybody should upgrade every year. The way iPhones are improving these days, it, it's it's so I don't know what the word is really iterative. Uh, it's just these really small incremental. That's the word. It's just these small incremental increases each year. The only reason to upgrade is that battery life doesn't doesn't continue to be as good a year later it's simple like you know everyone's right. seen their their phone battery now at 90 percent or 90 or 85 percent or whatever after a year and it, you know they're showing us that information they didn't used to show us until they got in trouble a few years ago but you know we can all see that there is degradation there you know i was gonna say one other thing about the new phones is the fact that the price is better so especially in the uk because our prices of these the last generation of phones was ridiculously high because they pushed all the prices up. But this year, the Plus is cheaper, which is 
I think it starts at 899. It was 949 pounds in the UK and it's now 899. And it was nine hundred twenty nine dollars, and now it's eight nine nine. So that's yeah. that's a decent discount on last year's model. Yeah, if you bought yeah, last yeah. year's model, maybe yeah. you even feel like you got ripped off because it's <laughs> the phones got better and the prices went down. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be frustrating. Not to jump back uh, to the camera, but I'm gonna jump back to the camera. Did you do play with the video recording at all? Because one of the main differences between the standard and the pro phones is that the pro phones allow you to record in pro res you can do log video recording that's because people are using the pro phones in professional video environments now instead of getting these big cameras or i don't know if they're big anymore but getting instead of getting professional cameras they're relying on pro iphones now they want to be able to have these pro features. The standard phones don't have those kind of features. That's not something you would normally do, what, is it, David? Like recording pro res or use log video? Yeah. No, and this is so. This is the thing that slightly ties in with my article about phone cameras are good enough already. Well, maybe yeah. I'm not the person who would have an opinion on that because you know you're the documentarian, Karen. You take a lot more photos than me as well anyone that's doing sort of pro level video work is going to get more from the pro uh, the pro range particularly those features you talked about um, but i i don't do very much video work at all to be honest you're not uh uploading to tiktok all the time while you're you're not an influencer no i only just join instagram i'm not ready for um i'm not ready for tiktok <laughs> whatever it is i don't know oh in tiktok wouldn't the video be really low res yeah, Surely nobody yeah. puts pro pro res photo uh, videos no, no on, on TikTok. No. But it makes sense. You take your family video and then you play it back on your big TV screen. Then you want yeah. detail. You. Although, I mean, the problem I always find using AirPlay to stream whatever I've videoed from my phone to the TV is that it just, my network can't cope with it. It just doesn't play back properly or other things that affect it. All the phones record at 4K. It's just that the Pro have, has these additional features. We should talk about the Dynamic Island. Oh. That, like the 48 megapixel thing, that came to the Pro range last year. Uh, so again, I was already used to the Dynamic Island, but I, I was thinking about it a lot. Because I've got, I've, I've got used to it after a year as well on the Pro. I think there's a difference, an important difference between things like touch bar and the action button, I think of as an, as an Apple Watch Ultra thing, but now on the 15 Pro models as well. These these Apple control systems, they love to in, recently they love to introduce new ways to control things with hardware, and it never catches on. And I don't think the action button is going to catch on either because I think people are too set in their ways of how to control a phone to absorb some new thing like that, unless it's clearly better. And I don't think that's clearly better. Dynamic Island, I don't think it's going to catch on with other people. I don't think uh, third party software makers are going to start doing significant amounts of stuff with that zone at the top of the screen. But for this, it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to catch on. It doesn't need to be revolutionary because it. What they're doing is they're taking something that was bad and they're just making it. And the phrase I use in the review is, "It's it's not a bug. It's a feature." Um, because they can't afford or aren't willing to use under-screen sensors. They're not willing to give us a completely full-screen uh, iPhone. They have so there has to be some space taken out for the front-facing sensors for the, uh, the the true depth camera and the and the the rest of it whatever sensors they need to have facing forward so there's a bit of dead screen at the top 
you know, where the notch was. But what they've done is, is really cleverly, they've sort of blended it into the area around it, put the animation. So you're never quite sure where the dead screen is and where mm. isn't, you know, around it. And then they use that for all kinds of animations and notifications and live updates of sports events and all sorts of things like that. And all it is really is sleight of hand to trick you into thinking that that's usable screen space. It's not. There's a little bit in the middle that never does anything. But the animations are so clever that you don't really sense that. You don't don't really appreciate that because you're just thinking, oh, that's my little notification area. But I think it's ingenious. I've never used it. I look at my 14 and I think like that's quite a big chunk of my phone given to this this whole area. It feels a bit like with Dynamic Island, they could have just gone with an even smaller notch and left it at that. So it took up less of your screen. But what they've actually done is made it take up more of your screen. Yeah. It's audacious. Yes. It, it's, I think more. It, it's a, quite a small space, but it's lower down. So it's in some ways it's more intrusive than it would have been if they had done the, if they'd squashed it all up and put it right at the top they probably could have made it less intrusive in in sort of real terms but this is what i think is so yeah audacious about it is that they've it's like they're hiding it in plain sight they put it right there and then they use it for stuff and and they manipulate you, you your sort of senses with their animations into thinking that it's usable it's usable screen but it's not and it's I don't know, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it, but I, I just think it's really clever the way it tricks your brain into thinking that, that that screen space is being useful when the bit that's actually the, the, the uh, what do we call it, the hole and pill, that's what we were calling it before it launched, that bit is still useless. It's completely useless, but they're just using the space around it. It's, it's, it's trickery, really, but I think it's quite neat. I think it's clever. <laughs> I think it's like uh, I've, got a, I've got a pillar in my living room because we had an extension built and it's load bearing and it has to be there. And uh, and so we, we hang pictures and stuff on it. And it's like, oh, this useful picture thing. That's what it is. <laughs> but it's still it's a place we can't walk through. And it's really annoying. But, you know, it's it's like hanging a lampshade on something that's in the way. It's just, they're making the best of it. I, yeah. I admire that. Now that the Dynamic Island is on standard iPhones, uh, after only one year, which is, I think that's... Maybe is that a record for uh, an exciting new feature, diffusing well, down into non. Forty-eight megapixel camera came down as well, didn't it? In a year. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah. does that mean then that they're ready for the sixteen generation to provide something else? Maybe full screen. Maybe this is. I don't know. I haven't heard any any solid rumours about that, but it it does seem to me uh, unusually generous of them to take a no the dynamic garner was a proper flagship feature from last year for the pros and they've just they've handed it over to the non-pros after one year it wasn't just as that though was it the pros also got the um oh what's it called uh promotion and always on display and that hasn't got passed down that is a big deal isn't it promotion and the always on display that's true yeah that's, that's not true. Yeah. yeah. So it's they haven't given away everything. Well, no, that's true. I don't I think the dynamic islands is a bit like they've done it because everyone complains so much about the notch. I don't think they're doing it as a, oh look what we're giving you. I think they're doing it as a, let's just pretend that never happened. But promotion and the always on display, that's more of a feature, I would have thought. Fair enough. Yeah. No sign of that yet. Oh, one more thing we should talk about is the switch to USB C 
I don't know how much we need to talk about because we've talked about it a lot, actually, even before the phones came out, we were talking about the switch to USB-C. Is it as big a deal as you guys, as everyone made it out to be, to switch to USB-C from Lightning? I mean, it might I be a big deal to, to somebody who has a Lightning phone because they have to get new cables and maybe a new adapter or whatever. Like I mean, you, there's a cable in the box, isn't there? And probably you've already got a USB-C camera if you're upgrading from like the last couple of years or whatever. I'm not a camera, a USB-C plug. I think it's a bigger deal for Apple than it is for us. It's it's annoying if you are in the Apple ecosystem and you've got iPads and you've got iPods, and, you know, and you have your iPhone and you've got all these USB, these lightning cables lying around the house and now they're just redundant. That's the only problem. And it's for something that's supposed to be environmentally friendly. It's not necessarily environmentally friendly to suddenly make all these old cables redundant yeah. and all these old lightning plugs that everyone's still got you know it's it, it, it will matter less perhaps to someone who's moving to apple who isn't just apple who doesn't have a whole box full of lightning cables anytime anytime they change uh the port they use it, it's gonna it's gonna create a load of e-waste that's that's absolutely true um the the, the plus side for this is that USB-C is something that most people will already have a lot of for all their different you know games consoles and digital cameras if they have any and you know ipads you know it's usb-c is already and max for that matter usb-c is already quite deeply embedded in apple's ecosystem the way i looked at it in the review is that it's it's probably going to be overall a slight benefit to people this year because uh, you're going to lose the use of some lightning accessories and cables and stuff like that but on the whole you've probably got a load of them already for usb-c and in the future it will make it simpler i don't think it makes a huge difference to the buyer to the customer as i said i think the reason we end up talking about it a lot was because it's like a, a political thing or like a, at the corporate level for apple that they fought against this so much um and they hate the idea of it so much and they like making money from their branded accessories and the eu kicked ass you know in england we we've sort of learned to think of the eu as this bunch of blundering bureaucrats but turns out that they can boss around the most powerful and rich companies in the world it's amazing so it's a, it's a big deal, but not really on the level of the consumer, in my opinion. I think it's like a small benefit. It's good. I'm glad it's happened. It should have happened a few years ago. The big problem happened a few years ago when Apple stopped shipping the plugs in the box and people would buy the iPhone and they'd get a cable and they'd be like, oh, how, what on earth am I supposed to plug this into? Especially if they, I remember a friend who was moving from Android to Apple. They never had a Lightning product in their life, so they didn't have the right plug for it and and yet this product had turned up and it, they didn't have a plug they couldn't charge it i mean luckily it comes with a bit of battery doesn't it but that was a bigger problem i'd say than now when we're all used to that but the same thing still is the case you don't get a plug so you have to go and buy one and everybody else followed their lead didn't they um yeah which sort of gives away that it was something that was beneficial for the manufacturer and for all their, you know, saying it was about e-waste and all the rest of mm. it and reducing shipping costs and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, but you didn't lower the price. You just absorbed <laughs> that, that, lowering the shipping costs into your own coffers. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, Karen. I, I think on the whole, uh, to at least openly sell the plug separately, like you still should be able, you should provide them, but it probably makes sense to not force you to have it in the box. I mean, the decent thing for them to do would be to lower the price by the amount that they're then going to charge you for a case, if uh, for a charger, if you want to buy it separately and have it bundled in. 
but they didn't do that because I think it was mainly about profit. Maybe the EU will force them to, uh, now they found that they can make them do stuff. They might go, right, you've got to include a plug or whatever else. I don't know. It'll be like France or something like that will say that. France and yeah, they're, they're really good at protesting. Radioactive. <laughs> Well, that does it for this episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 860. Thanks to Karen Haslam. Thank you. Thanks to David Price. Thank you. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast in the podcast app on Spotify or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com. Or contact us through X, that's at Macworld, or on threads, that's at Macworld underscore HQ, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time.